Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. The Prime Minister addressing the nation tonight. Premier Ford thinks we can't handle the truth and what it takes to actually write a throne speech. All of that is coming up. Let's get to it. I keep saying it, and I keep saying it again and again. And that is, don't get too wrapped up in the numbers. There is reason to be optimistic today. Obviously, the news is better today than it was yesterday. But if you put too much faith, too much stock in those daily numbers, your stomach is going to jump up and down like you're on a pogo stick. 335 is the number today. But here's the more important number. There's two numbers to keep in mind. And that is the testing number at 35,400. Again, good number. And, you know, if it was three, four months ago, we'd say, wow, wow. But here's the more important number as you look at that. First number, 35,400, is testing number 48,000 pending. And obviously that is a huge, huge issue. As the province moves towards trying to clear these lineups and trying to get people moving and get the testing and all the rest, ramp up the testing, it's the actual processing of the tests that is where the increasing the problem is and where the where the lag is here. Because now, each and every day, that number grows. The difference between the number of tests performed and the number of tests pending, which means there are more and more people out there sitting around waiting for a test result. And in Ottawa, the medical officer of health there said yesterday, if you are waiting for a test result, if you stood in one of those lines and for whatever reason you got yourself a test and you're waiting for a result, if you do not self-quarantine, that's $5,000 a day right there. Boom, $5,000. you got to be kidding me. Yeah, you got to be kidding me. $5,000, that's good. Who's enforcing that exactly? In other words, it's meaningless. Now, here's something just to keep in mind. Remember two-week lag time. And I, I talk about this because it's important, especially when we start getting wrapped up in the daily numbers. Think about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we are a couple of days out from uh, the long weekend from the Labor Day long weekend. So the spike that we have just seen over the last couple of days, you could say, well, that really is attributed to what people were doing over the long weekend in August. And then, of course, you had some kids going back to school about two weeks ago, uh, not in Toronto, but in some areas of the province, they began a staggered return to school. So that's what we're starting to see in the numbers now. And remember that it was late last week that the province brought in the new limits on gathering sizes. And that really was a signal to the entire province that, hold on, whoa, hold on, this is going in the wrong direction. So what I'm saying is, is that we've still got another week and a bit to go before we will see whether or not that change on gathering sizes had a real impact. And that's when we're going to know. Whether or not this is a true big second wave with, you know, a peak that, you know, either mirrors or surpasses what we had in the spring, or is it a bump, an inevitable bump, a bump that we, 
you know, have been warned is coming. And what we're hearing from the medical officials is we're at a crossroads. In other words, if we don't do what we need to do right now, it's going to be the former, which is another peak instead of the latter, which is just a bump. Now, all of this brings me to what I need you to know. And here's the thing that I need you to know. I got a plan for it all. I really do. I have a plan. It's important that you know it. There are six points to this plan. I'm not going to tell them all to you right now because you just can't handle the information. Uh, That is weak. That is exactly what Doug Ford and the provincial government said yesterday. They said, we got a plan. Here's the bullet points. One, two, three, four, five, six. But... There's six of them, and yeah, general public, that is more than you can count on a single hand. We figure it's too much for you. It's going to be lost on you. That is what Doug Ford had to say in his much vaulted fall plan. Stand by. More to come. And... Not only do you have Doug Ford doing that, now on the other hand, you've got Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the speech from the throne today. Obviously, that's a big deal today. And then the Prime Minister is going to be on our television screens nationwide tonight at 6.30. And when I heard this, the first thing I think to myself is, like, you can't do this in front of your cute little cottage door? Is it, what is it? Is that being renovated? Are you having it painted? What's what's wrong with the cottage door? Remember you did that every day? But now, no. After the throne speech, the Prime Minister will take to the nation's airwaves. And what will he say? Well, according to a spokesperson for the Prime Minister's office, quote, the Prime Minister will address Canadians directly on the urgency of fighting COVID-19 as we face down the prospect of a second wave of the virus. Really? Is he really going to announce anything? Or is it more likely that he's going to make a pitch for saving his government? Saving a minority government, kind of like Martin did in 05. Or Harper did in 08. It's been done before. In the Globe and Mail today, the vice president of uh, this company, Global News, of this uh, division, news division of Global, uh, the vice president, Kenton Boston, is quoted in here saying that Global News, which will air the prime minister's address tonight, that Global received assurances from the government that Mr. Trudeau is not planning a political address. This is the quote from Kenton Boston. Quote, we do not provide airtime for political broadcasts. When approached, we demanded and received assurances that the PM's request was based on urgent national importance to the Canadian public and was not a political address. To that, I think I, I say two things. Uh, first, uh, Kenton, if you're listening, great quote, really. Nailed it. Solid. Good work. <laughs> uh, perhaps the more, more important uh, second point is we will see. We will see. Because I have a feeling that this is more about replacing the governor general, 
Julie Payette as the messenger for the government. Remember, it's Julie Payette that actually delivers the speech from the throne today. So there she is, you know, and then the whole country is like, wow, hey, how's about that toxic workplace? <laughs> How you doing with that, GG? <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's not the face you want on it. So instead, you put the prime minister out right after the speech from the throne, and it's his clip in his face, and he is the face of it. Here's one thing that you should expect to hear in the speech from the throne today. And here's David Aiken, our chief political correspondent, saying that one of the things that I think you will hear the prime minister talk about when he takes to the, nation, the national airwaves tonight is more about benefit plans. We're going to see the CERB end this week. That's it. No more Canada emergency response benefit. The CERB is going to re be replaced by a simplified employment insurance plan. But there will be a lot of people now in the CERB who don't qualify for EI. The government's already indicated it's got a series of benefit plans that it wants to bring in. It will need legislation for that. That is David Aiken talking about that. We'll get some, you know, vague details as uh, speeches from the thrones are, are always vague and, you know, sort of aspirational and don't provide a ton of detail. But we are expecting, and perhaps this is what the prime minister will announce in his televised address, is a little bit more detail on national relief efforts. Does Justin Trudeau think you're an idiot? Is that why... He's going to take to the nation's airwaves tonight to say, you know, I should continue to be prime minister. All of the opposition parties are saying it doesn't, you know, not in our interest to cause an election. I don't think there's going to be an election. I don't think you think that there's going to be an election. I don't think the prime minister thinks there's going to be an election. But I think my concern is coming out of this address tonight is it will be partisan. Which brings us back to Doug Ford who thinks you cannot handle the truth. I want to play this for you yes, because it, twice yesterday this was said at the press conference where we expected a fall plan, a fall pandemic plan, and I knew something was weird going into it. I mentioned it yesterday. You know, there was no technical briefing. There was no sort of pre-announcement, nothing you could pour over in the... Uh, it, you know, in the hours before the 1 o'clock announcement from the Premier. So it seemed very, very vague what it was that the province was going to announce. And indeed it was. Six-point plan. We'll get back to you with more of the plans after this. But, you know, we can't give it all, all to you right now because you're just not going to be able to handle it, says Doug Ford. If we all if we lay it all down at once, the message isn't going to get out to the people. So over the next few days, and I think it's the best plan for all of us, is to roll out one, roll out another and another, and people can comprehend it. If we just ram it down, you know, uh, on the table and, and just start rolling it all out, it, it's not going to be absorbed by the, the, the people out there. Yeah, see, because there's six points and you only have five fingers, public. I don't know what you make of that. It just, it, it, it seemed to be a little underwhelming <laughs> considering what's going on and what's going on again today. There are massive lineups. I seen in Waterloo a tweet this morning saying that at about 11 o'clock this morning, they went to the end of the line and said, you're the last person for the day. That's it. We're shut down. You That's it. to be kidding me. Exactly. And what's our plan? Flu shots? That's our plan? 
That Well, that's just step one. Stand by. Make sure you watch my address coming tomorrow. Uh, Wait, that I, is weak. What is, is this a, is this a show on Netflix? Tune in next time. I, I'm just not certain uh, of the communications plan here. You know, this government is under attack for appearing to be too slow, one step behind. And its response is, we got a plan. We're going to dribble it out over about a week. Stand by. You know, add to the list of the things that are weird in 2020, the, the things that have, you know, turned upside down because of the pandemic. Add to that long list people caring about a speech from the throne. Because a speech from the throne is generally just full of platitudes and generalities. And it doesn't really bear too much scrutiny. Yeah, there's a little pomp and circumstance, and they come in with the mace and everything, and the, the governor general, or in Ontario, the lieutenant governor comes, comes in and reads the thing, and, you know, away you go. But it's a different situation today, obviously. A lot of eyes on Ottawa, what's coming out of the speech from the throne, and then following that, a nationwide televised address by the Prime Minister at 6.30 p.m. be carried tonight on Global News, on Global Television, and also here on Global News Radio. To talk more about what we can expect today and some perspective as we try and read between the lines of this thing, I'm pleased to welcome to the program Janie Byrne, who's a former advisor to Prime Minister Harper, former Principal Secretary to Doug Ford here in Ontario, and the CEO of Jenny Byrne and Associates. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm doing great. How weird is this that we care so much about what's going to be in this speech? Well, to to your point of what you were saying, 2020 is just a much much different year. Canadians are paying a lot more attention to uh, what politicians are saying simply because uh, it has so much effect over... Uh, uh, both their uh, personal lives and uh, and their uh, economic well-being and their health and their families. So uh, I think that this is just a carry-on of, uh, of how Canadians have been paying attention to things over the last six months. I, I read one uh, tweet this morning that said that wondered why there was so much uh, clutching of pearls over the Prime Minister with this nationwide televised address. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, it is. It, listen, it is very strange on uh, on the surface. Uh, uh, the, the speech from the throne, to your point, is usually a lot of pomp and circumstance. It lays out the government's uh, agenda and where they see themselves going uh, in a minority over the next uh, in the next year. It's like a vision statement. Uh, I think that, and, and and the prime minister then coming to address the nation is very unheard of. And in the entire time I worked for Stephen Harper over 11 years uh, that he he asked for that uh, he asked for that once and it definitely was on a, wasn't on a day for the speech from the throne but if i'm a liberal it's smart justin trudeau is still very popular uh, across the country in most places he is very good on tv and people like him and i think that that is why they are they are doing it they they want to make sure uh, the message out of today is his the Conservative Party this morning saying that what they're going to look for, one of the main things they want to look for in the speech from the throne and the address today is fiscal restraint. Uh, I'm hard-pressed to, to see that that will be in there anywhere today. Well, I think that uh, I think there is going to be mentions to it. And I think you've actually seen in terms of the government's messaging over the last 
three weeks, the change in tone. Three weeks ago, uh, the, the expectation for the speech from the throne was that the, they were going to blow the barn doors off. And uh, uh, basically, uh, there would be, uh, you know, a, a chicken in every pot. The spending was going to be unlimited. And you've seen over the last four or five days, it is really tamped down in expectations. You even see on there the green energy file, which was going to lead the speech from the throne three weeks ago, uh, the prime minister's uh, 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 priorities apparently are going to be on biofuels and building retrofits, which is actually something that was a priority of the Harper government uh, over a decade ago. So I think you've seen a bit walking back, and I think that whether they admit it or not, it's because they know there has to be some fiscal restraints. Is tonight's address from the Prime Minister likely to be anything more than we all need to pull together? Is he likely to hold something back, uh, some kind of major announcement tonight in that address? Well, one would think uh, if you're going to address the nation, there would be something more. It's, it's not like he hasn't addressed the nation. The prime minister has been out regularly, like all politicians, over the last six months. But from anything that I'm hearing uh, and that I've read uh, in the media over the last 24 hours, it seems like it's just going to be reiterating uh, what the speech from the throne says. Yeah, that's that's sort of my expectation as well. I think that that's a lot of people thinking that. I want to turn quickly, if I might, to provincial politics. Uh, and the fall plan yesterday, just from a communications point of view, Jenny, the the, the release yesterday of the plan, uh, there's six points, but hey, we're only going to tell you one. We're going to roll it out over the next couple of days. What do you think of that? Uh, listen, I think that um, I, I think that uh, uh, people uh, do not have one of the things that politicians, I think, are, are going to struggle with, especially as people, uh, as the economy opens and kids go back to school, is that they're not looking for uh, they're not looking for kind of a plain politics. So if I were the provincial government, I would get the uh, the plan out as soon as possible. I would communicate it on it as uh, as much as possible. But I would not view uh, I would not view it as a uh, um, I would not view it as a communications exercise. So in other words, you wouldn't run it through the comms team before you decided how to release that. Oh, I think that everything gets run through the through the comms <laughs> team. But I think that what especially you know you wake up and there's Headlines all over the place. There was a testing center I saw in uh, a hospital in uh, in Kitchener Waterloo, uh, who at 7 a.m. put out a tweet telling people, "Don't come because there's so many people in line. Um, uh, we're going to be turning people away." And the testing center didn't open until nine o'clock. So I think people are just um, I, I think people are just looking for answers from government in terms of how they are going to uh, uh, how they were going they are going to uh, proceed over the next uh, over the next uh, few months. Uh, the, the other thing that, as we just pivot back again to tonight's address from the Prime Minister, following that, there will be an opportunity for opposition leaders. And this really is going to be an opportunity for Aaron O'Toole here uh, for the first time to really address the nation. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for him. I, I know that uh, uh, I've seen on the media that it's uh, it's been a bit of a challenge because, of course, he's uh, he's in quarantine now having... Um, uh, having uh, tested positive for uh, for COVID. Uh, but I think that uh, what you're going to hear from him is what we heard from uh, Candace Bergen and Gerard Duntel earlier today, is they're, they're going to be looking for uh, not just fiscal responsibility and, and uh, you know, what, what the plan to get out of deficit eventually uh, is, but also how uh, the prime minister and how the liberal government is going to address issues like national unity and unemployment, especially within uh, you know, the fisheries, the oil patch, the manufacturing sector uh, that have, are particularly hit in the West. Calgary has the highest 
uh, unemployment across the country. And that's been the case uh, basically for the last two to three months. So I think that those are going to be some of the messages that Aaron uh, and the conservative team are going to be delivering today. Jenny, always great to talk with you. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alan. Have a great day. That is Jenny Byrne, former advisor to Prime Minister Harper, also former principal secretary to Doug Ford with an interesting perspective. You know, if I was born in a different time, you know a job that I would love to have? I would have loved to have been a Kremlinologist during the Cold War. You know, like in the 50s when you were trying, you know, when the West was trying to figure out, you know, when the Politburo put out some press release, some statement comes out, something published in TASS, and it means it's just absolutely meaningless, except for if you kind of read between the lines, if you peer between all of it, if you know how to speak Bolshevik, then maybe you could figure out what it was that was actually going on. And that is perhaps an extreme example of what might happen this afternoon, which is when Julie Payette sits down in that nice throne and starts reading the speech from the throne. Often it is not what is said, it is what is not said, or it is what is implied. And to help us understand how a throne speech is actually crafted, what's in it, and what are the meanings behind the words, I'm pleased to welcome to the program Lloyd Rang, who has written speeches from the throne for Ontario for many years. Welcome to the program, Lloyd. Alan, thanks for having me. All right, when you're actually crafting one of these things, keeping in mind that it's the, in Ontario's case, the lieutenant governor or Ottawa, the governor general, somebody else reading it. What what goes through your mind? How, how do you write it exactly? A little like uh, juggling plates on horseback. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, right? So you uh, you have a lot of input from your own party, from your caucus, from your cabinet. You have a lot of input from uh, Canadians. You have input from in a minority parliament, from uh, from the opposition to a certain extent, and uh, and also from the prime minister or the premier's office. So there's a lot that goes into it that you have to kind of juggle. Uh, and keep moving in the same direction at the same time. Now, is that speech by committee why it ends up generally being so incredibly vanilla and bland? Well, not when I write them, Alan. I, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I don't think. Um, well, listen, I mean, yeah, it could. It can easily become really muddy, right? Uh, it can be a, a speech by committee, and that's the challenge. you gotta, you got to make this thing sing. And because, like, I, I think as I heard you say earlier, this is the one time in the year when everybody is watching a Canadian speech. I mean, when was the last time that uh, Canadians got together and actually, you know, watched a thing like this? It's unusual, right? So I think uh, I think it's got to kind of do a bunch of things at the same time. It's got to respect the, the tradition, the majesty, the, the pomp and circumstance, as you said earlier, of the speech. Uh, it's also got to speak to the government's agenda, the legislative agenda, which is a very specific thing. And then it's also got to, you know, got to kind of move people. And, and in a time of crisis like, like we're, we're in now with covid uh, people are paying a lot of attention. When you're actually, you know, doing the speech, you know, you're writing a speech, and you know, let's say you stumble upon something just, just beautiful, just a nice turn of phrase, you know, would you have a political master who might step in and say, you know, that, let's not waste that on the GG, let's keep that for the leader? <laughs> you might, yeah. I mean, uh, it's uh, and, and it, the challenge is actually, you know, you have to write it. 
in a particular way. As I said, it's the legislative agenda. It's delivered by the GG. So it's got to be, first of all, in her voice, and it can't, you know, can't have turns of phrase that sound like prime minister, for one thing. But the second thing is, um, you know, it's got to be really conditional language. I think you said earlier, you know, it, it, um, these speeches tend to, tend to be a little bit vague. The reason for that is actually when you're when you're speaking about the leg- legislation that the governments can introduce, you can't be specific. You can't say the government is going to do X, Y, or Z. The language has to be the government, you know, will will would or a, a law would if passed do X because otherwise you're in contempt of the legislature. So it's it does kind of come off sounding a little bit um, a little bit strange that way, but that's because of the tradition and because of who's who's delivering it. So yeah, you'd hold stuff like that back for sure. You know, you mentioned, you know, we've been talking about how weird it is that people are paying attention, you know, and I think sort of think back in Ontario terms, I, I think you'd have to go back to the, uh, you know, the, the end of the big blue machine when Frank Turner, um, you know, and, and the speech from the throne that that, that gets um, gets voted down. Uh, Miller, pardon me, Frank Miller, my apologies. Miller, yeah, yeah. yeah, Frank Miller, uh, his, his uh, speech from the throne gets voted down and that ushers in the pact between... Yeah. Uh, the Liberals and the NDP. It's not quite the same thing here, but it does have that tightrope walk because we are, again, in a minority, and it's possible that we could, because of this, it's a confidence motion, it could be voted down. Oh, heck yeah. And and not just the speech itself, the amendments to the speech. So there's six days of discussion about this in the House, and the, uh, the opposition can propose amendments to the speech. Each one of those amendments is itself a confidence motion. So you've got like six days of, of really intense debate on this thing. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to go back to the kind of the, I don't know, the 18th Parliament, 1939, uh, to, to, to get a speech that has this much focus to it, I think. And, and that speech was only like two paragraphs long. Uh, the GG, you know, just basically said, yep, we're going to war and uh, we, need to, uh, we need to set aside the funds for that. And then the, the House got on with its business. So, you know, absolutely, in a, in a, in a minority situation. You know, it's a confidence motion. But the other important thing to remember, too, is this is all about the confidence of Canadians. I mean, there's two confident things going on at the same time. One is you know, we want to keep the confidence of the House. But we also want to instill confidence in Canadians, the government. That's another thing the speech has to do. And, and what do you make of the prime minister coming on directly after? I, uh, you know, it's not completely unprecedented. I mean, I heard Jenny say that, uh, that it's, it's, it's not often done. Actually, um, I can think of three occasions. I think Martin did it in Pearson. Yeah. And, uh, Harper did it and, in 08, uh, didn't he do it? Harper did it in 08 as well, yeah. So, um, you know, it's not completely unprecedented. I think it's it's the opportunity to speak to people directly, I think, because you, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, speaking in your own voice as opposed to the Governor General's voice. So uh, that's probably why, I would say. It's more direct. Lloyd, great talking to you. I appreciate your perspective. Uh, Lloyd Rang of uh, Lloyd Rang Communications, a uh, speech writer who wrote uh, several, a number of uh, speeches from the throne here in Ontario. Appreciate your perspective, Lloyd. Thanks a bunch, Alan. Thanks for having me. That is the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.